Hello and welcome to Unbounded Growth, a podcast that challenges you to grow and become a better version of yourself. My name is Mark Allen, and together with my friend Adam, we share thoughts and ideas from the books that we read and how they enhance our personal growth and development. We also host other readers and leaders. We learn from the experiences through our discussions. Our episodes here every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you for listening in and let's grow together on Bonded Growth. Hello, good morning, happy Tuesday, and welcome back to Unbounded Growth. We hope that you're doing great and that you're having a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, this is uh, episode number nine, season two. My name is Mark Alan Muteba. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Adam Shabindu. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing? I am doing amazing. I am so excited today, as you can tell. I don't know if you can tell how excited <laughs> I am. We, uh, we, we, we have our, our, our guest that we promised you to bring your guest before the end of the year. Uh, the beautiful thing today is that you can not only listen to us today, but if you want, you can go watch us on our YouTube and you will be meeting this gentleman pretty soon. And I believe that we'll be having an amazing and amazing time. Um, do you want to do the introduction or do you want me to do it? But before, before we go there... <laughs> The giveaway still going on. Yes, we still that. have a, a, a giveaway going on that we're going to be publishing or we're going to give the results on Christmas Day. And um, it's simple. It's going on on all our social media platforms from LinkedIn to um, Instagram. And we've had a lot of feedback so far. I believe around 27 people have responded um, to at least the Instagram one. And uh, we are looking forward to having more people responding. This is um, it's something you're receiving for free that um, like a lucky winner can get for free that can help them grow for, the 20, for 2023. Um, the book Atomic Habits has helped really reshape my life and has had some tremendous impact. Even the, the journal, the um, Gemscale journal, mm-hmm with habit tracking and so on. They are nice tools. And um, the, uh, the earbuds, um, we need earbuds for a lot of things, for a lot of, even for your own privacy. Especially if you're trying, growth, to so, back, you're, yeah. you're trying to get back, you're trying to get back on shape, you know, <laughs> going to the gym and just listening to own music or motivational speech or whatever, you name it. Yeah, so it's, um, it's important. So if you're listening from anywhere around the world, we also have for people living outside of America because we do have an audience in about uh, 20 plus countries now. So um, with people living outside of America, we have a $50 gift card that you can use for anything. You can buy books. You can It can help you grow next year uh, into 2023. So feel free to uh, share the page, um, the posts, and feel free to comment because it's, uh, it's by commenting that we can keep track of who is actually entering the, um, entering the, uh, the giveaway. That's great. That's great. So uh, if you you are not yet subscribed to our channel, uh, do it right now. And if you 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 are new to this page or you are new to this podcast, uh, continue to follow us. We try to review a book every week, and now we've been trying to also bring on some expert of the industry leaders and readers that are here, and even writers that are here to teach us and tell us a lot about themselves. So our guest today is 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 a financial leader i know adam adam has has had to meet him and, and say a lot more about him but i'll just give a little intro about him and then adam will uh, will tell us a little somewhere about him before we bring him on so he's, he's a financial leader he's not only a financial leader but he's also a business leader an entrepreneur you know the type of person that we walk into a place and turn the place around and today we be learning from his lesson and all that about how do you reach your full potential how do you go about 
turning your organization around. If you have a struggling business and you've been struggling for years in 2022 and going into 2023, what are the steps that you can do to turn your business around, David? Uh, Adam. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, I got a chance to uh, meet David uh, uh, a little over a month ago. And we're having just a chat over LinkedIn and I got to see his page and I got to see the um, small videos that he posted every Monday uh, to help people get fired up for the week. And um, yeah, there was such an inspiration to me, um, listening to him all the time, taking the courage and also just helping us visit the beautiful area where he lives and we get to see the environment in, in the area. So uh, it's, it, it was such a great um, pleasure having just a conversation with him and spending we planned to meet for 30 minutes, but we went way over 30 minutes because we, there was just more stuff to talk about and, and conversation. Personally, I like to meet, um, I meet two types of people. I meet people who want to be where I am. Mm-hmm. And I also love meeting people who are where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And why do I do that? For the first group, I want to be an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to inspire. I want to be able to mentor um, young people. And uh, I also want to stay accountable because uh, uh, the people who are looking up to me mm-hmm. and who I want to be um, where I am, they are the type of people who help me stay where I am. Right. Because every time I want to give up, I know that my fall mm-hmm. won't be a very personal fall. Mm-hmm. It's going to come with a lot of more people falling with me mm-hmm. so i have to be very it makes me it keeps me accountable mm-hmm. but meeting also people who are where i want to be mm-hmm. is um it keeps me inspired mm-hmm. and it keeps me empowered and again it tells me that it's actually possible david is a writer i'm also Right, I'm working on three books right now. I started with <laughs> one, which is not complete, which I'm trying to get done. I've made a lot of progress on and that. I, and I think we, we talked a lot more about <laughs> it yeah, as, as we it, dive into yeah, this. So, and David is, is, is a writer. David is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. David is an investor. So all of those areas, there are things that... that there are places where I want to be. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm looking forward to share this conversation with all our listeners from around the world. And I hope um, that David's life and David's experience can not only inspire you, but can also push you to new heights as we enter 2023. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, you already know a little bit about him. His name is David. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce to you David Friedman. How are you doing, David? Oh, wonderful. Thank you both, gentlemen, uh, for having me on your show. Really excited to be here. Uh, as Adam was saying, we, we spoke, I guess, maybe about a month ago. And I have to say, uh, you know, I was very impressed with, with Adam and just all... Uh, it won his ambition and all the wonderful things that both of you guys are already doing to make make a huge difference in this world. So although I might have a lot more years of experience than you guys um, and can hopefully impart some some wisdom upon you guys, I, I, um, I know myself and everyone can also learn from you guys as well. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. I mean, we are more thrilled and more excited to have you, David. And thank you so much for accepting our invite and being here with us on on on, on Monday evening, just just recording and uh, having this great time. And I believe that we are going to have a lot of 
amazing, amazing uh, conversation. I hear a lot of questions that we have, and I know we we, we draw a lot from from your wisdom. Now, uh, to our listeners and for the people that are watching on, on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, there is a little thing that is appearing on David's screen, and because we uh, we are doing a kind of two man show where we are both working on the technical side and also <laughs> watching everything, I'm going to make sure that I uh, I get it off the screen. So if you don't see me on the screen, don't don't panic. I'm just <laughs> taking care of this. Or if you see your mouse hover a mouse pointer hovering over David's face, don't don't worry about it. We just want to make sure that you have an amazing experience and you're not sitting down there watching a, a one hour interview and, th- and thinking to yourself, why can't they just get rid of that little thing on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we we are going to make sure that we uh we get rid of this of, of this first uh before we return. So we take a little uh, two minute break. Uh, we take care of that, and then uh, we be returning again here with David. We see you shortly. Yeah, I think he, he needs to change that. <laughs> all right as promised we are back and david's screen uh, looks a lot cleaner now than that he, that he did before i think it was it was one thing the beauty of zoom you know <laughs> you, you never know what what to expect from it all right david uh let's 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 get let's get into it give us give us in like you know a ten thousand feet of of yourself and you know your life and where you are and how you even got here in the first place yeah so great great question so you know i have i have a pretty diverse background i i i think i would say so i have um uh my, my undergraduate work was uh i majored in accounting mm-hmm. um I, I went to graduate school, got an MBA with a concentration in marketing, mm-hmm. and most of, most of my working career has been in finance, financial analysis, business planning. But it, but at the same time, I've also um, been an entrepreneur and turned around a, a failing business and and made it widely successful and eventually eventually sold it mm-hmm. i'm also uh also a writer and like to do a lot of motivational speaking as well to inspire inspire folks to to ultimately live live their best life mm-hmm. and um you know i i've learned a lot over the years mm-hmm. um sometimes the hard way and um i i like just kind of sharing uh, the knowledge and wisdom that I've gained over the years to, to help other people get from where they are to, to where they want to be. And, mm. you know, one, one of the things I like to say, cause I, I think, you know, most of the people watching your show, you know, have, have these great aspirations in life and, you know, both, both you, you gentlemen do too. And, and you know, certainly not that money is the most important thing in life, but a lot of times when people think of success, right, they they think of you know money. So mm-hmm. I I just wanted to say this to kind of inspire your your listeners. You know, it's it's not hard to become a millionaire. It's really not that hard. What's hard is getting yourself to believe that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Once you get yourself to believe that you can do it, right? It's it's not hard, 
And, you know, I've, I've written a lot of what I call these laws of success. Mm-hmm. And one, one of my, you know, I've, I've written a lot of them. One, one of my kind of favorites that I, that I wrote um, is I call it the law of self-belief. And the way that one goes is there are no known benefits to self-doubt, mm-hmm. but the possibilities are limitless when you believe in yourself. And I know we uh, we actually have uh, a few questions that we dive into the laws. And I know you, you, you've you been talking a lot about these laws. You've been writing about them. Uh, the first question, though, I have as, as, as you talk about your life, what? What prompted you to go into finance? What you know? Yeah. What was that motivation? Why you know? In your years, maybe computer science could have been more creative. Maybe you could have been an engineer. And to yeah. the struggling kid today who do not know what they want to do with their lives and they don't know what major they want to pick, they don't know what they want to be tomorrow. Right. What was that process like for you to discover yeah. that I want to go into finance? Yeah. So it's it's a great question, and and you know. Um, even when I chose that field, I, you know, I wasn't really sure, quite, quite frankly, exactly what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I, I, I grew up, my, my dad had his own business. He was into real estate and my mom mm-hmm. kind of did all the bookkeeping and things like that. And so I was exposed to, you know, a, a father that had his own business my mom kind of handling the books and everything. And I just kind of had this at a very young age, like sort of fascination with numbers. I was, I was very good in math and in school and what have you. And it just kind of seemed like a natural fit, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of accounting finance numbers when I was in college. And you know, when I, I, I graduated, I, I did my undergraduate work at Penn State University. Mm-hmm. And when I graduated, you know, I still was like, I really wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. Right. And I got I got a really great job opportunity. First job out of college was with the Campbell Soup Company. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose it was I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And they had this management trainee program mm-hmm. where I had the opportunity to rotate through a different department That's good. every six months mm-hmm. for two years and then ultimately kind of settle down into uh, you know a more permanent type of role and and that really appealed to me because you know I'll say this is you know there's nothing wrong with not knowing exactly what you want to do right and and you know I'll tell you this. I, I think in general, in, in college, what you do in class versus what you do out in the real world mm-hmm. on the job are typically two very different things. Right. So, so you could you could love your classwork and then get a job in the real world and not like it, and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so you have you have to be careful. Um, anyway, um, make kind of a long story short. I rotated through a, a number of different departments. And ultimately, the, my last rotation was in a small business unit. Mm-hmm. And we were working on new products and doing financial projections for them. And I, I really took a liking to, right. to that mm-hmm. and and settled into after that, that two-year training program into uh, a role in what was 
their frozen foods business unit and working with the marketing team and doing all these financial projections and analyzing, you know, new equipment and things like that. And I, I really liked, liked that sort of thing mm -hmm. and um, kind of have stayed in that field of business planning and financial analysis as, as one of several things I, 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 I do. Right. And um, I just, uh, I just, I find it, find it very interesting mm -hmm. and um you know, everyone's different, though. You know, some some people they they hate numbers and things like that. <laughs> I just just kind of kind of my thing, you know. Yeah. But I, I'll say this, mm -hmm. um, and this really kind of shaped my career quite a bit. Was so one of that ultimately led to my entrepreneurial venture. Right. Was while I was at Campbell Soup. I still remember this. One of the first apartments I rotated through was filled with a number of folks that had been with the company for many, many years, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like all the old timers, you know, right. 30, 35 years or longer, you know, and, and what happened was when I was there, was you know they they got into a little bit of financial problems mm -hmm. and then you know these folks that were you know just several years away from kind of being set for retirement mm -hmm. after giving the company you know 35 years or more of experience they they let them go mm -hmm. and i was like my goodness you know and and i i was very you know it's my first job out of college i'm in my <laughs> right, early yeah <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, you know, what the heck? These guys have like, you know, given their life to themselves yeah. and given like their whole life for this company. And, you know, they just need to kind of work maybe two or three more years, you know, to be in good shape. And, and you know, you end that. And so that that really, really made me think, mm. you know, a lot of like, do I really want to be at someone else's mercy? You know that so that no was was that like the turning point where you yeah. you're like you know i i don't think i want to to work for someone for the rest of my it, life it, yeah that that really was the trigger that got me into thinking about um you know g getting into some kind of business for myself and having having you know some control o over my destiny rather than being at the mercy of, of somebody else but then and, <laughs> you're taking us already into into a business talk here which uh, I'm, I'm very uh, thrilled and excited to talk about so what was that transition like when you you know you figured this out how long did it take you from the time you like you, you think to yourself i don't think this is what I, this is what i want my life to be to the time yeah. you venture into a business yeah. and how how was that like Yes, yeah, and just to add, um, David, before we, uh, before you answer that, and I, I just had a, um, just the same thing because you, you just um, talked about the why, uh, why you had to go into entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. but um, a lot of time we meet a lot of people, especially motivational speakers, um, they go ahead and tell you the whys of doing things without actually um, covering the hows. Mm -hmm. So um, my question would be more of um, an approach-related question. 
like what would be as just to piggyback what Mark just asked, what would be what do you think was oh, and you, you have the experience in this already? What approach did you take during that transition from yeah. um, corporate to business owner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wonderful question, you know, both of you guys asked. So um, I'll say this, it, it took a long time from that moment when I realized I, I don't want to be at the mercy of someone else right. to the time that I actually, you know, got into this uh, entrepreneurial venture um, first, there was just kind of a, a period of time of thinking about it and, and honestly being, you know, it's, it's scary, you know, for, right. for at, least, at least for most people. Agreed. So there yeah. was kind of this back and forth in my head of, you know, like, I got to do this. And then like, I'm scared. And, and I, I went back and forth like that, you know, for, for literally, you know, um, I'm going to say like several years of like, I got to do this. And I, and I, I, I ultimately I'll say kind of for lack of better words, brainwashed myself into believing that it was more scary to be at, you know, the mercy of someone else than it was to, you know, take a leap and go into, you know, some kind of business uh, for myself. So it was, it's really like a couple of years just kind of back and forth in my head thinking about this. Once I got past that stage, mm-hmm. then what I started to do was, right, so then you have a decision to make of do you start your own business completely from scratch mm-hmm. or do you buy an existing right. business, right? And I felt, you know, it's just kind of kind of interesting how things turned out, but I felt that, you know, it was less risky to get an existing business than, you know, that presumably there's a whole story behind this that we'll get to um, that, you know, is like less risky, one that's established and you have to pay more for it, right? Right. Than it is to start one from scratch, right? And so I then spent, I literally spent um, several years meeting with business brokers mm-hmm. and going through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of businesses, look, you know, visiting them, analyzing them, reading about them, trying to find one that appealed to me mm-hmm. and um, and made sense financially. And, and it was very hard. One of the things that I ran into, and I'll just, I'll just give some advice to, to folks out there. So yeah. if this was just my experience, you know, if you're looking to buy a business and you're, you know, if, if you're not able to, you know, don't have the skill to analyze the financials yourself, by all means, you should hire an expert. I have some expertise, so I, I know how to read, you know, financial statements and things like that. Right. But one of the things I saw time and time again was um, I'd look at the financial statements and, and a business, you know, on paper wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And and then they would tell me, well, this is like an all cash business <laughs> and, and, and the owner is like really making, you know, like $300,000 a year, even though like the tax return says they lost 20,000 <laughs> and, and, you know, I, 
I, I wasn't good. I, I didn't trust that at all. And, and I, I definitely would recommend staying away from those things. Cause I, I saw many of these businesses that were up for sale that, you know, allegedly were making a lot of money and on paper were showing <laughs> that they were losing money. And, you know, and I passed on every single one of them. And David, and, uh, before, before you move on to, on to that, I just want to ask you something that, that, uh, about picking up the business. We, you're talking about you, you research the industry, you look at the finance, but you also lack what you went into. What if you, you know, you are brought a business uh, that the finances are looking good, it looks lucrative, but you don't have any knowledge or anything about that. Should you just pursue the business that you have passion over or should you also look into uh, the things that can bring you profit and just move on with life? Yeah. So, so one thing I would say, and that's a wonderful question. One, I think it's really important to not just focus on, you know, is this business making a lot of money or not, mm -hmm. but finding something that you really are passionate about and will enjoy doing because almost invariably, no matter what, you're going to go through some very challenging times and, and it's really important, you know, not just the end point of, you know, I'll say how much money you make, but it's really important to enjoy the journey along the way mm -hmm. and finding something that, you know, is really of interest to you. And I'll get, I'll give you a, a really good example about this in, in a minute. I still remember this um, is very, very, important and uh, i'll give you an example actually one of the businesses that i looked at that i'll say was legitimate and um i i passed on because it, it was a it was a, a blinds make you know like window treatments kind of business <laughs> and it was very successful and well established and I remember going to visit it because actually i was intrigued by the money you know at first <laughs> and i just I was just like bored to tears. I just could not picture myself doing that kind of work, you know, mm -hmm. and they actually manufactured the blinds themselves and all this stuff. And it just didn't, I, I just couldn't get excited about it. Mm -hmm. And, and ultimately after looking for, you know, several years um, at businesses, um, I settled settled upon an area that I'm really passionate about, which is exercise and health and fitness. And uh, I'll say kind of stumbled upon, if you will, this fitness center mm -hmm. that was up for sale. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned just a couple minutes ago of you know you have kind of two ways about going into business right, right. <laughs> one is start one yourself from scratch mm -hmm. or buy an existing one and i made the comment right that you know uh it's it's you know you would think is less risky right buying an existing established business right rather than starting one from scratch mm -hmm. and well uh so as as it turned out um you know, I, I went through all the financial records on this business mm -hmm. and everything checked out, right? And it was this fitness center and I just love that kind of stuff. And I was 
really excited about it, scared, but excited, <laughs> right? And well, I, I buy this business mm. and, you know, had looked through all the financial records and very quickly I'm like, where are the sales? Where are the sales? Where are the sales? <laughs> and, and this thing is just like hemorrhaging, you know, and I, I shortly thereafter found out that the owner, I can read financial statements, but he had given me fraudulent oh, financial statements. That's, uh, that doesn't sound <laughs> and, and I was very young at the time. Um, mm. I was, I was, not quite even 32 years old yet. Um, so this goes back a, a number of years. Uh, so I wasn't, you know, as well established financially um, back then at age 30, you know, about 31 or so um, as I as I am now. And here it was, you know, I, ha I had a lease with the landlord that I'm on the hook for that's like $100,000 a year. Oh, wow. And <laughs> And this business is losing lots of money. Mm. And um, I'll tell you, it was, um, it was, it was scary. It was really scary. And, you know, I, I'll say though, I learned a great deal from that experience. So mm -hmm. at, at first, you know what I did? And um, it was very counterproductive. I learned quickly <laughs> is, I felt sorry for myself. I complained to uh, everyone that would listen. Um, <laughs> I, I, I cried at night. You know, I, honestly, I was, you know, it was, it was very, very upsetting. You know, I, I had worked very, very hard to save up money, you know, to kind of get to that point. And here it was like, it was going to be like in a blink of an eye, I'm like going to go bankrupt and stuff, you know, and I just, you know, I called a lawyer up, you know, explained right. what happened, you know, found like the best lawyer in the area for this kind of stuff. And while well, he investigated and found that the previous owner didn't have any money. <laughs> so it's like, great. I, I go to court and I sue him and they say, well, you, you win, Mr. Friedman. Well, win what? He doesn't have anything, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, one of my... Um, laws of successes, I, I call them, uh, you know, that I, I wrote is, I, I got, got a lot of them, but, um, one is like the, that I like is the law of perseverance. And the way that one goes is impossible is a temporary state mm -hmm. for those willing to do whatever it takes. It's a permanent state for those who give up. And what, what I realized when I was in this situation and several months went by, all I did was complain and feel sorry for myself and, and cry at night. And the more I did that, the worse the business got. <laughs> David, right? as, as you continue the story, I, I want you to hold that thought when you, you know, talking about the law of perseverance and how you struggle a lot. What are your thoughts about people that go into debt to get a business? When it comes oh. to finance, what, what, yeah. what do you think? And uh, do you think it's a good idea? Is it a bad idea? What are your well, thoughts about that? Yeah. Well, so another really good question. I mean, I say in general, like most, if, 
if you're going to business, you know, I, I was, I, I was, you know, I was pretty good at managing my money and, you know, basically I paid, I paid cash for this business, you know, mm-hmm. vast majority of times pe- people aren't doing that. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think that's, I think it's a good thing and, and, you know, to, to, to borrow wisely um, and take, take on some debt. Um, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with, with that. Um, so it's just, just part of it. And, you know, the thing too is, you know, um, to, to get something good in life uh, invariably involves, you know, some risk, mm-hmm. right? So no, no risk, no reward, mm-hmm. right? So the, the bigger the risk you take, the bigger the potential reward there is. So, um, yeah, that's just, that's just part of it is, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, in general, take, taking on some, some debt, you know, mm-hmm. be smart about it. Right. Don't, don't get yourself in over your head. <laughs> right. And, and I'll, and I'll share this with you too, you know, um, one of the things I, I don't know, Adam, if, you know, we talked about a little bit a month or so ago is I, um, you know, when I had this business, so I also, um, I'm, I'm not afraid of hard work right. <laughs> and I, I also maintain my full, full-time job in okay. finance hmm. and between, you know, I'd work there all day um, on the weekends sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And at, at night and on the weekends, I would go to my fitness center business. And, you know, I, I had no days off mm. for, uh, I did this for seven years and three months before I finally got a really great offer that was just too good to turn down. Mm-hmm. And I, I, oh. I, I sold, sold the business, mm-hmm. but um, I, I worked, you know, a good, you know, like 90 hours a week, mm-hmm. no days off for seven years and three months. So the goal was oh. kind of to maintain, to maintain your cash flow. And I want you to go back to the story about, you know, how. Yeah, how, and, and, and just, yeah. just before you, um, just before you go, um, just this, this is about finance again. I, uh, also a, a finance question. Actually, there is a meme that is, uh, that it goes on on the internet a lot. I love memes and I love being on Twitter. So um, there's a meme people saying that, well, if you save the $5 that you buy Starbucks coffee every day, uh, by the end of the year, you're going to have what? I think like $12,000 something wow. and so on. And then I saw that somebody else actually did the math correctly. It was less than that. And they went, well, that amount of money is still not enough for you to buy a house or anything. That's just enjoy the coffee. So I want to talk about uh, the, the the money part. You say that um, at the age of thirty or thirty one, um, yeah, around that age, assuming that you you had been working for around um, thirty years, uh, no, not thirty years, like ten years, um, assuming that you graduated from college at twenty two. And you are going into you by 31, 32 years old. You are um, you are into you are, you, are, you are into this industry. You are an accountant somewhere, or you are in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the strategies? Because we have a lot of um, a lot of people who listen to us. They are within that um, age group between twenty two. And about 30, 32, 35. 34 mostly. It's 35 mostly. Yeah, yeah, for 35. So now, um, 
what are the strategies that you went, um, like what are the disciplines and the things that you had to go through for you to actually secure that type of money um, during those 10 years? Yep. So great question. So, you know, I, I had this initial job um, with the Campbell Soup Company. And, you know, at the same time, I had this, this goal, you know, I quickly realized, you know, when I saw these people losing their jobs after 35 plus years of like going into business for myself and, you know, knowing that, um, again, to just kind of mitigate risk, you know, that the less you borrow, right, and the more you fund yourself, the less chance you have of defaulting on a loan and, you know, getting yourself in trouble. And so I, I worked very, very hard um, at my job at Campbell Soup. And every year I got promoted up one or two levels, got, you know, very large increases and lived, lived frugally. And just, you know, I socked away a, a lot of money during, during that period of time. And, you know, I, I didn't, and I still don't, um, I, I didn't drive a fancy car. I, I still don't drive a fancy car. I, I live, I live way, way below, below my means, you know, and, and I see, I see other people, you know, um, and, and again, it, it's, it all, there isn't a right or wrong in life. It's like, what, What's important to you? What makes you happy? At the end of the day, the goal of life is to be happy, right? right. <laughs> and so, you know, if if getting a brand new car every, you know, couple of years and, you know, spending all your money on that, if, if that's what makes you happy in life, go go for it. You know, that that wasn't my my goal. And so, you know, I I I remember actually uh my my first first car that I I ever ever bought um it was uh it was a 1990 Pontiac Grand Am and I held on to that thing for like 220,000 miles <laughs> they probably called I, you back <laughs> and I I I fi finally gave it up when it had this bad oil leak and it was going to cost like over $2,000 to fix it <laughs> um but but my point my point is is you know I wasn't buying like, you know, a new car every several years or getting a really expensive car. Mm. And and I remember many, many years ago actually reading this article, and I, I don't remember the exact particulars, but it was talking about um, cars and how comparing like people that held their cars on onto them for like a very long time versus people that, you know, every so many year, you know, a couple of years were getting a new one. Mm -hmm. Like these people that held onto their cars, like on average were retiring, like, I don't know, five years sooner wow. just with, you know, something like, like that, you know? And, um, you know, I see people paying 50, 60, 70, $80,000, for a car, you know, and, and again, if that's what makes you happy, you know, that's, we're, I mean, we're all different. If it makes but, you, you know, happy and you have the money for it, because yeah, <laughs> it yeah. makes people happy and then you're making $500 a week and driving it $70,000 vehicle, to me, just doesn't make sense but, mathematically. Ag agreed, you know, so I, I've always, you know, ever since I was a kid, have always been able to have like, I know I'll call it like a laser beam focus on whatever goal I had 
you know, at, at the time. And, you know, so I had this goal of saving my money to, you know, put towards uh, a business and everything. And, you know, I, I lived way below my means and I, I, I saved, you know, I saved it. And, and I also kind of, you know, and I waited till I was like in a good position because I, I didn't really want to get a business and then like, you know, lose my home and everything else, <laughs> right. you know, if, if it didn't, didn't go well, you know? Um, so, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta figure out what's really important to you in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a saying I heard, I, I'm, I'm not sure who this comes from, so I, I don't want to take, take credit for it because it's not mine, but it, it goes like, you know, if, if you want your life to be easy, do what is hard. And if you want your life to be hard, do what is easy, you know? And, and when you really step back and think about it, you know, um, it's doing those hard things, you know, upfront early in your life that, you know, if you're willing to do them and make sacrifices, um, you set yourself up for a much easier life down, down the road, you know? And, um, so that's, that's what I tell folks is, you know, um, go all out, um, do it when you're young and, um, you know, don't be afraid to put in, put in the hard work. And, you know, I'll, um, I've never been afraid of hard work and, you know, I, I'll share this with you and I, I don't necessarily recommend this. So <laughs> I, I think I've, you know, kind of really pushed myself to the limit, but, you know, when I would drive home at night from this fitness center, you know, like I said, I was working like a good 90 hours, you know, a week, no days off. I, I this might sound kind of crazy, but I, I literally, when I would drive home at night, with one hand, guys will think I'm crazy. I literally would punch my leg with one <laughs> hand while I was driving. So I wouldn't fall asleep wow. at the wheel, wow. you know, again, I don't necessarily recommend it, but that, that is how, <laughs> how hard I You're push myself. To. I push myself to the absolute limit. And I'm not saying you need to go push that hard to be, you know, successful mm -hmm. um, or anything, but in general, most good things in life require a lot of hard, hard work, work, right? A, a lot of patience, mm -hmm. perseverance, um, self belief, you know, and, and a really good, good attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to, you know, and, and a lot of focus and just, just determination. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of, I, I work out in the mornings, you yeah. know, like several hours typically every day, get up real early and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I'll just, while I'm on that subject, you know, I, I will say to anyone out there, you know, for me, you know, one of the, my, my top, one of my very top priorities is staying in tip top physical condition. Mm -hmm. And, and cause without your health, um, you know, you really don't have anything. And, okay. and yeah. it's really hard to be happy if you're not healthy. You That's know, right. just think like when you have a bad cold, right? Mm -hmm. You know, again, it's obviously a lot worse than that. It's, it's hard to enjoy the day when, you know, you don't feel well. 
So I, I really advocate, you know, whatever it is in life, you know, make time for, for your health, you know, eat healthy, get yourself on a regular exercise program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, you know, people, people say, you know, I I don't have time to exercise, you know, even when I was working 90 (laughs) hours a week, I, I found time to, to work out and everything, you know, we have 86,400 seconds in a day, you know, everyone gets the same amount of time and um, you make time for, for what you choose to make time for, That's you right. know, and, mm-hmm. and people, people will say, well, I don't have time to work out or whatever, you know, um, if, if, if you don't make time for your health, yeah. you're, you're going to at some point have to make time for dealing with sickness. Absolutely. So, and, and I know we, we boiled down and talk a little bit more about your, your morning routine. And not only that, we also talk about your time management strategies for someone who's as busy as you, how you manage your time. But before we get down there, I, I know, you know, sometimes you listen to a story, it's like, why didn't you finish that story? <laughs> I still want us to, uh, to, to go back and finish the story on where you, you finally realize that you, you got yourself into a bad deal. You, you're crying yeah. every single night and you, you're just wondering like, what did I get myself into? What yeah. was the turning point from, because, your story tells, and you you tell a bit more about it, how you turned that business around. So, what yep. was that turning point where you were like, you yep. know what, um, pick yourself back together and go to work? And and yeah. how, what was that process like in yeah. order for you to move that gym from something that was not successful and not bringing in any money to something that actually yeah. became very lucrative? As you you mentioned, that after seven years, you you got an offer that was just too good to say not to. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll first start by by saying this because um, I, I think it's a really important lesson that I I, I want to share with folks. You know, th- there's a a saying that I, I I like, which is you know if if you want to take the island, you know, burn the ships <laughs> or, or burn the boat. And you know, um, I want to talk about really the significance of that statement. And and for me. You know, so now in in my case, and, and I'm glad it worked out this way. It didn't feel like it at the time. <laughs> right. So my, the, the boats were burned for me. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, you know, a, a, the best lawyer couldn't get me out of this. You know, mommy and daddy couldn't bail me out of this situation. I was, I was backed into a corner and, and I had a choice of, I could either, like go bankrupt and lose a ton of money, right? At a very young age and then spend years trying to dig myself out of it. Mm-hmm. Or or I or I could give it my all and and try and figure out a solution to this. You know, and 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 I have to say, you know, one of my learnings from that is, you know, p- people talk about having a plan B, right? Right. You know. <laughs> And I, I'll tell you, um, I, I am so glad that, you know, the, the boats or ships were, were burned for me because honestly, <laughs> if, if the lawyer had said, oh, yeah, we can like take him to court and he's got all this money, I'll, I'll get you like this full refund and like get you out of the business, I would have jumped on it just like that right. in, in a heartbeat. Hmm. And, you know, it, it turned out, you know, that 
um, me having to figure this thing out and being backed into the corner was like the, one of the very best things that ever happened to me <laughs> in, in, in my life. And so what I want to say to folks is, you know, it's a little scary, but, um, you know, do not have a plan B, you know, if, if you're going into some business, you know, um, it's not going to be easy. And if you have a plan B, as soon as things get difficult, and I can almost guarantee you, they they will, you, you will abandon your, your goal and fall back on your plan B. Mm. And, and an example, I'll give that, you know, of, you know, I'll say outside of businesses, but related is kids in college, right? And, you know, someone say that wants to go into theater and get on Broadway or something like that. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll major in theater and everything, but they'll have a plan B, like maybe, maybe they'll major in, you know, uh, you know, some business field as their plan B, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then what happens, right? They, they graduate, they trying to get into theater, and after a year or two, right, it doesn't work out. And it's like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just go take that job in finance, right? Instead. <laughs> right. And the dream and, dies. <laughs> and, and, and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, um, you know, most likely, right? You know, obviously there's exceptions to everything, but most likely you're, you're going to have to fail many, many times. Mm -hmm. And, and typically, you know, the, the bigger the dream you're going after, um, the more times you're going to have to fail before before you you get to where you want to be so i i really would encourage people to, do not have a fallback um decide unequivocally what you want to do mm -hmm. and go after it and and do not have a plan b because yeah. um gosh if i if i had a plan b on that business or, like I said, <laughs> or, if I, or if a lawyer could have gotten me out of it or whatever mm -hmm. I, you know i would have missed out on you know a really um amazing yeah. Yeah, thing and, that and, uh, and uh, i do think i do i do think this is really good because yes. we have a lot of our listeners actually in that situation mm -hmm. uh, i have my own little brother actually he has great plans to go into medical school and uh, yeah he's been busy also figuring out okay what if the medical school thing doesn't work and um, yeah, and um, you know, there is always a say that, and I think I've always been against that. That say that uh, do not put all your eggs in one basket. And I, uh, I used to be the same way. Yeah. So, but now I, I, I really don't think that that way is much, and especially with the time I've spent in business, uh, is that just give it all your, your all, as as you just said. And I'm gonna go into um, just a little bit. Um, deviate a little uh, from what we are talking about here. And I'm going to talk here about a little bit more of growing a business um, and, and, and growing a company. Now, you mentioned early that you could either get your own thing started, or your, which means um, you can come from zero to one. Mm -hmm. That's a whole new concept. You can be the creator of the new Facebook. Or... Right. You can buy something that is already widely available, like right. you can buy a gym. Now, this gym um, industry is a very crowded space. You're competing against Planet Fitness that yes. has tons of money and um, they're cheaper. 
they also have better equipment than, um, than, than, than what you have. Now, how do you, as a small business owner in a very crowded industry, how do you set yourself apart? Right. So it's a really great question. And, you know, for me, um, among a number of things, you know, the, the way I, I differentiated my, myself um, was really, I'm just going to say, a total, complete focus on customer satisfaction and, and providing, was, providing them. After with, you, you found out that your business was, was a flunk, you still decided to go for it. I'm 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 sorry. I, I say I, that, that 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 was right after you found out that the business that you bought was you know was you are not going you were kind of stuck into that business and, yeah. and cornered that yeah. you, you started doing uh, using those strategies, right? It, yes, and, and you know really what what I ultimately did mm-hmm. and was I, I literally sat down with a piece of paper and a pen mm-hmm. and. I, I drew a little circle in the middle, which was a customer. And then I drew a big circle or, around that one and kind of sliced it into these pie slices. And within each one of them, I wrote down, you know, the different things that I could do to satisfy and influence the customer to, to keep the ones that I had and to get more of them. And, and I, I, and I, I literally, you know, you know, I did a little research, use some common sense as, as well. And, and that's, you know, uh, one of my, one of my laws of success, and this is really what I, what I use is, you know, I, I call it the law of smallness, which is conquering a mountain is nothing more than climbing a series of small and manageable hills one after another and and what i did was you know i took this daunting task of this business that's losing all this money and breaking it down into these small little manageable you know pieces each piece being something that i could do that i had control over mm-hmm. that i could influence the customers and and keep the ones that I have, and get more customers. David, and and I, I think you have there. You can go a little. Uh, can you explain more about that? The things that you had control over, over the things that you could not control in order to influence yes. the customer. Because I kind of feel like most of the times we're struggling after the things that we cannot control, and then they make us lose yeah. peace. Can you can you just expand a little some yeah. on that? Yeah, and and you know, um, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up too, because you know, another one of my laws of success and I, I joke around I, I've got a law for everything you know I, I got I got a law of success for like peanut butter and jelly <laughs> so, but uh, one, one of them you know is I, I call it the law of destiny which is when you focus on the many things you can control rather than the few things you can't you gain control of your destiny. Mm. And so, you know, this, this sheet of paper that I divided into pie slices was simply, you know, I'm going to focus on all the things I can control. Mm-hmm. I, I can't control what a competitor does. They, they can do whatever they want. Right. Um, but, 
but what can I do? What are all the things, what are the things that matters to customers that I have control over? So just, you know, and all industries, you know, have differences. So in mine, just, just a couple real simple things was, you know, I learned at the time, I guess a number of years ago, little research that, well, what's, what's the most important thing mm-hmm. in a fitness center to, to women? And what's the most important thing to men? So anyway, what I learned at the time was for women, the most important thing wasn't necessarily the equipment, not that that wasn't important, but it was actually cleanliness of the facility. And for guys, the most important thing was actually the equipment. So the, you know, just two simple things, right? You know, you don't need to be Albert Einstein. So, so those are things I had control over the cleanliness of my facility and the equipment that I had. So, so what did I do? Right. Again, this is all like simple stuff that anyone can do. Mm-hmm. Right. N- none of this stuff in general is, is hard. Okay. Right. It, it really isn't. Um, and so what I did was, uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example of just how I did things uh, a, a little bit differently than the, the previous owner. So, you know, I got some training for like a week or two after I bought the business <laughs> from him and, and, um, you know, and I remember him telling me, you know, like, okay, so Dave, you know, then at the end of the night, you go down, you go around and you wipe down all the equipment and make it nice and clean for the next day. Right. That sounds logical, right? And definitely something you should do. Right. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, what about during the day when all these people are there and they're working out and they don't see anyone wiping down the equipment? And keep in mind, this is before COVID. This is years before COVID. So things are a little different. So I'm I'm like thinking like, like if no one sees the employees cleaning, they're going to wonder, is this place clean or am I... (laughs) I, am I sitting down on a piece of equipment that's been like sweated on 150 times, right? Okay. And so, you know, I put in policies, you know, procedures, um, you know, for for folks on my team. And, you know, and I, I did all the same work that, you know, my team did as well. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not too good to do anything. And so I was like, you know, guys, if, you know, if you're not busy training someone, mm-hmm. you know, Go out there when it's really busy and wipe down the equipment. We want the members to see us cleaning the equipment. You know, now maybe that doesn't sound like such a novel thing these days and everything, but right. um, again, this is a number of years ago, and so you know, people could see us cleaning. You know, and and I developed simple things like a checklist of like, okay, every so, you know, whatever hour 45 minutes like go in and check out the bathrooms you know make make sure the bathrooms are clean right you know so like a simple thing like cleanliness for the facility you know something i could control i i can't control how clean or dirty another facility is right but i have control over mine right um as far as equipment goes right um it's interesting there were um, several fitness centers in the area that had much more square footage than I did, but with, um, some creativity and, um, what have you and careful arranging and planning, 
I was able to fit more equipment in my fitness center that was, you know, in some cases, half the size of others. <laughs> and so um, when you came into my fitness center, you know, let's let's just say you're going through your exercise routine and maybe, uh, you know, one of your exercises is to jump on a chest press machine. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't have one of them. I, I had like four different kinds of chest press machines, mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, even though I would get very crowded, um, uh, you know, when I first started with this business, you know, that it was down to about 175 members. Mm. I, I grew it to over 2000 wow. members. That, that's, and, that's impressive, David. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so anyway, with that many members, you know, no one likes to go to, you know, if you're into working out, you don't want to have to wait you know, to get on your machine. Now, right. you know, maybe a minute or so, but you don't want to be waiting five, 10, 15 minutes. Like that's, that's no fun. So I had an abundance of equipment in my, in my facility mm -hmm. and, um, and, and different types too, as well. So again, um, and obviously, you know, that appealed to the women as well, you know, equipment, I think was number two mm -hmm. of importance to them, whereas to the gentleman, it was number one, but right. simple things like that, you know, and going through and laying out on this sheet of paper, all the different things that I had control over so and attacking and attacking them one at a time. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and that's, that's really what I did. And, you know, one, one of the other things, and I, I think this, you know, really relates to pretty much about any business right. is, you know, I, I got to really know my, my customers on a first name basis. Mm -hmm. And I recognize with some businesses that could be hard, you know, if, I don't know if, if you own Walmart, how are you going to really <laughs> get to know, you, you know what I mean? Uh, a little happening. different, yeah. but you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, I, I still remember this uh, was uh, a late, late afternoon on, on the weekend. And um, it was getting close to closing. It was, it was down to maybe about 25 or so people left in, in the fitness center. And um, a new cus potential customer came to the door, right? And came in, was asking me some questions, was shopping around to try and find a fitness center and asked me, you know, well, like, what's, what's different about yours? You know, I've been to a lot of them. Right. And I said, well, I can tell you, we will really get to know you here and we will work very close with you hmm. to help you, you reach your goals. And they were like a little skeptical. I was like, I kind of heard that. And I, and I said, watch this. And it just so happened at the time, I knew every single member that was in the fitness center, first name and last name. I knew if they had a brother or sister or mother or father, wow. that was a member. And I went around and I just like pointed, oh, see that? That's Mary Smith. Uh, she's been a member now for over five years. And uh, her brother, John, also works out here, too. <laughs> I just went around one by one you know, and I really focused on learning my customers' names and also made that a very high priority 
for you know the folks that that worked for me uh, as well and so you know really you know establishing this relationship with people um really goes goes a long way and you know and if if you own something like say like a walmart you know maybe you're not going to necessarily get to know everyone but you sure as heck can be really nice and go out of your way mm -hmm. to be helpful to everyone and and make make every experience they have in the store you know Amazing. a really really good experience and mm. um an, an example that you know i i like to give and it's kind of we're talking about like large stores is yeah. you know i I, I remember, um, you know, now and then, you know, I have to go to like Home Depot or Lowe's, something like that, pick mm -hmm. up, you know, something for the house. And I'm, I'm a very busy man. I, I don't have time to, you know, spend 20 minutes lo looking for like, you know, a, a little nut or bolt or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'll, I'll go into a store like that and, uh, and, and this is how you don't want to do things. And I'll say, you know, and I might bring in one from home, like, see this like nut and bolt, like I need five more of them, right? You know, can can you help me? And they'll say, like, well, walk down that aisle. Um, I think it's on like <laughs> aisle 37. Make a right, and uh, I think it's on the left side about halfway down, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, really? And then I'll I'll just politely say, like, oh, would you mind showing me, mm -hmm. you know, taking me there? And then typically, you know, they'll say, oh, okay, sure. Ideally, they would offer that up first, right? Yeah. And, and you know, I remember actually, it's not that long ago, just um, going to um, uh, one of those stores, needing something like that, mm. and, um, you know, requested that they take me there after them first kind of pointing and, you know, go here and there. And, you know, the person that worked there that was kind of the expert couldn't find the part that I was looking for initially <laughs> and, and sp spent, I don't know, at least five minutes. And so like, you think about it, your own employee that knows the store can't find this right away. Mm. And then you're going to send a, a customer who knows nothing about your store to try and find this little odd net. Yeah, right? that's, that's very interesting. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, what I would say is, you know, things like that, you know, yeah. it's like if if when I had the fitness center, if you know someone came over and said, uh, you know, gosh, I uh, it's only my uh, second workout on this new program. Um, you know, uh, I I don't remember exactly how to do you know this exercise. Like I, I wouldn't stand there and say, well, here's what you do. I'd say, here, let me show you. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk over to them and I'd I'd get on the equipment myself. I would demonstrate it. I'd have them get on it. I'd watch them do it. And I make sure they feel comfortable, you know, not, not rocket science, mm -hmm. right? But just simple things like that mm -hmm. and doing them consistently time after time really makes such a difference. And um, David, know, uh, 
just just uh, so that I just want to make sure that I recap a little bit of what you've talked about so far. That sure. you know we we don't get lost as far as struggling small businesses. What can they do to improve their business? You talk about looking at the things that you can control, like pretty much listing out every single thing about your business and looking yes. at what you can control. Then you also mentioned about raising the standard of those little things yes. you can control, making them better. You mentioned yes. to getting to know your customers. You have to know your customers and you have to know the needs of your customers. Yes. What exactly do your yes. customers need? And then you also mentioned about consistency. Being consistent yes. in those little things can help you make a difference. Y yes. That's how you turn that, your business around. That's a real, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you too. And you, and you talked a little bit about this, you know, about your standards and uh, this, this, this was like the, the very first, you know, law of success, as I call them that I, I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think it's a key to just about everything in life, really. And I, and I call it the, the law of standards. Mm -hmm. And, and the way it goes is if you set your standards, above the level that all others have set for themselves and do what is required to meet them, success is inevitable. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, it's your business, your, your personal health or anything, you know, if you step back and think about it, mm -hmm. the easiest way to improve in life in anything is to raise your standards, mm. you know, and, and so just, you know, it, when, when you, when you think about it, someone say that's not healthy and wants to get in shape and, and improve their health and ultimately succeeds, like what, what did they do? Right. Mm. They, they raised their standards. They raised their standards for the kind of food they put in their mouth mm -hmm. as well as their level of activity right. or, you know, like, likewise, Mark, you know, you, you and I were talking a little bit um, earlier before this about like reading mm -hmm. and, and learning. And so, you, you know, um, that's another thing. So, so, so what do you do as far as, you know, continuous improvement and learning more, mm -hmm. you know, a great way is, is to read. So if, if you're only reading one book a year, right? What, what do you do if you want to learn more? Essentially, you, you raise your standards and you read more books. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. And and, and David, um, yeah, because we have um, we have passed an hour already, and we wanted wow. to section this into a few more episodes for um, our listeners, so they have they really have um, to digest everything that's um, um, that's. We have talked about, and they have. They we 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 really get to know you more, and um, so that we can um, transition now to a new um, a new aspect of the conversation that we want to talk about, and this is gonna um, switch the gears from just business to actually leadership, because you can um, you cannot really succeed in a business without the proper leadership and the proper um, capacity for you to bring the change. And I think um, now starting this new, um, this new part and, and since we are transitioning and this, if anybody's just joining us um, for the second time to continue the conversation with, um, with David here, 
on um, the um, following the previous part of the conversation on business. Uh, now coming into into leadership, um, leadership comes with challenges. It comes with complication. It comes with uh, uh, so much responsibility that you have to take. Now, I'm going to rewind and go back into your time as um, a leader in, in, in a growing industry in the company that you used to, um, you used to work for. How did you see, uh, what was your perspective on leadership in that company when you are just stepping out of college, 20-something-year-old, mm. looking at your future so bright and thinking of highly of yourself? Uh, to accomplish something because that's how you feel when you are crossing, when you are walking the stage. You feel like this is the greatest moment of your life. And now that you were walking and now you are embracing it in this industry, how do you view, what was your perspective on, on leadership then? Yeah, so, you know, I, I'll say this, um, and it, it helped me in, in my business. You know, I, I've, I've worked through for three different companies o over the years. Mm. And, you know, the first one was the Campbell Soup Company. And then after that, uh, Alpo Pet Foods. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which I've been at for um, coming up on 28 years, I'm proud to say is Lehigh Valley Health Network. And, you know, I always um, uh, paid very close attention to leadership and and the kinds of things that they did and the messages that they would convey and i, I really took them to heart and um at all three companies um and particularly the one that I, i'm at um just that the leadership is just true truly amazing and you know just really uh, you know maybe it sounds like a cliche but you know just like a recurring theme at all of them was, you know, okay, you know, it sounds simple, but it's like focusing on the customer and satisfying your customer and giving them value and everything. And that's, you know, it's just one of the things that just got kind of beaten into my head, if you will, from uh, the leadership from my very first job to, you know, to, to now. Mm -hmm. And, that's what I took, you know, really, you know, when I had this business of my own mm -hmm. and was, you know, in kind of this scary situation of like at the end of the day, you know, it's about satisfying your customer and providing more value than your competition right. can can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that, that's one of the most important things. You know, the other thing I, I learned, too, just in terms of leadership is you know really um the importance well, well number one I, I think it really all starts with in order to satisfy your customers and really make them happy mm -hmm. it starts with making your employees or where i work we call them our colleagues that's, that's a good um, point. <laughs> very very happy because if, if you don't have happy employees um, they're less inclined to make your customers 
happy. And so, you know, for myself, and I'll just, you know, I'll give you a quick example, you know, as far as, you know, leadership and how I treated my employees. So in the fitness center industry business, you know, one of the problems is employee turnover, right? You know, it's just like constant. Well, that wasn't the case with my business. So I, I had, I had two key positions at my my fitness center, you know, but besides myself, one was um, sort of like a manager ultimately made him uh, senior director of like the fitness center. And then I had a director of the aerobics program, you know, as we as we called it aerobics back then. And those two people, they were with me from start to finish from the time I had the business all the way till the time I, I sold it. And, you know, um, they were really key people and I treated them extraordinarily well. And I treated all my, you know, not just the key positions, but I treated everyone extraordinarily well. And so when, when you do that, right. And you then ask of them to do certain things with how you interact with customers. So like one, one of the, you know, I'll say really official policies I put in place was just um, with with greeting customers. You know, when 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 they would come in through the front door, and you know, if you're behind the front desk, you know, you 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 were required to give them you know a sincere, very friendly hello, and ideally by you know by their first name, mm-hmm. and if and if you you know you couldn't know all two thousand plus. But, you know, if you didn't know their name, like kind of after they walked by, you know, you'd take a glance um, at the, you know, when they signed in and say, okay, that's, that's, that's Mary, that's John. Mm-hmm. And you try and remember it for the next time. And likewise, when they left, you know, it was like, oh, great seeing you, John, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, something like that. And, you know, sounds like a little thing, <laughs> but, you know, how many, you know, Think of like, you know, you, you walk into, you know, whether it's, you know, Walmart, Home Depot, or just or just about any store, like this generally like, does anyone say hello? Like you could walk right by an employee. Do they even say anything? In fact, most of the time they turn and look away, right? Mm-hmm. Could could you imagine like walking into, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot or it could be any store, um, you know. And, and the person, like, they have someone near the front door and greets you and says, you know, gives you a warm welcome and says, you know, is there anything I could help you with? Hmm. You know, help you find, right? And David, and, you know, it's, uh, it's so funny that you mentioning this. Uh, my wife always thinks I'm too picky. But if I go into a store, especially a small business, and I don't feel welcome in the place, I literally never go back. To the yeah. store, and I, I'll it, tell them, "Hey, you go do the shopping, but I'm not going back there." And sometimes it, we we don't really realize why do I like this store better than I do like the other store. The little things it, like that do matter. It, it, absolutely, and you know, in terms of, of leadership and everything, I think one of the really important things of being a good leader is to empower your employees, and and. You've obviously got to have a good recruitment process to okay, have David, employees David, that before, you can empower. Before you go there, I, this is this is a very a very interesting subject, and I know we can spend the whole night just talking about that, right? 
you you just picked up a job and you inherited some employees with their culture and their way of doing things and you want to turn things around how do you get to the point because you said you install you 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 install it you 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 implemented a standard at your gym you said everybody we need to clean the equipment where people are watching and stuff like that but you are not in the gym from monday through friday how do you even know that your employees are doing what they're supposed to do? And even yeah. in stores, you're a manager. Yeah. You just inherit yeah. employees, and sometimes you don't even have decisions yeah. over who is hiring them. You just inherit them. How do yeah. you go about right. raising yeah. your leadership but also empowering your leadership onto them so that right. they, they, they do actually the things that you have in your vision and they can carry them out yeah. without you being there like a policeman <laughs> watching out everything they're doing? Okay. Right. So, you know, it's, you're giving me flashbacks of when I took over here. So, you know, I, 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 gosh, I still remember this and it was just, um, you know, the, the employees that I inherited, um, there, there was, um, a couple key, key exceptions, mm -hmm. you know, you know, just quite frankly, they, they were just terrible. <laughs> how, how else to say it? And, and um, you know that the previous owner had um, very low standards, and the way he ran his business too. I'll just, like this, like amazed me. It was like the employees, while they're on the job, like you know, they, they were like working out on the equipment themselves. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you it's like you're here. You're here to work, you know, and so. That was like the, you know, the first thing I'm like, I'm like going, I'm looking around, you know, and I got these like, I got like customers in the gym and stuff. And there's, a, there's employees like working out while they're on the job. I'm like, no, that's, that's not going to work guys. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, you, you just can't be successful like, like that or certainly can't, you know, optimize your success that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, you know, I basically, I had a, you know, a long talk with folks and told them, you know, kind of what we had to do. And some just, you know, very quickly just quit on their own, you know, and, and others, I just, you know, kind of had to let go. And one of the key people I, I, I kept was just, you know, he's fabulous. And I, I took very good care of him was, you know, a, a manager that, that I had and ultimately kind of promoted him up and created these higher levels to recognize his good work and what have you. And, you know, I, I empowered him because I, I couldn't be there every single hour. You know, I was, I was there at nights and like on the weekends, but I, I, you know, couldn't be there during the day, Monday through Friday. I had, a full-time job you know and um, would often work late at my full-time job and um you know so finding the right people mm -hmm. and treating them really well mm -hmm. you know so he <laughs> i would say he you know he was probably um making at least you know twenty thousand dollars more working for me than he could have anywhere else oh, wow. you know um, and so I, I treated him really well, but, um, it was, it was a good investment though, <laughs> you know, and, um, he, he did a fabulous job for me and, and, you know, I'll, I'll say no one, no one ever treats a business like, 
like the owner does, you yes. know, mm-hmm. that's why. Um, but yeah. he, he was the closest, you know, you could really get as treating the business like an owner. And it, and it really tied into, again, just how I treated him. And so how you treat your employees mm-hmm. is ultimately going to ripple through to whether you have good customer satisfaction or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'd say it's really, really important as a leader is, is to, you know, <laughs> treat people well, because if, if you treat them well, and that's what they're used to, then people that are working for them they're going to treat them mm-hmm. treat them well also you treat them badly you know that's kind of like all they all they know right. um, and obviously there's exceptions you know to these things and so i i think that's a really important thing as as a leader is is one is to treat your employees exceptionally well mm-hmm. and and ultimately to empower them and you know when i say empower them you know again uh in, in my business um you know or i'll backtrack a little like think if you've ever gone to a business maybe it's some you know big store or whatever it might be you bought something there's a problem with it you know maybe you drive 20 minutes or 30 minutes to the store to like return it you get there and there's, you know, some low level, I don't mean that in a bad way, person behind the desk there. And they say, well, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't refund your money. A manager has to be here, mm. you know, and and the ma- the manager is like, you know, on their lunch break or they're out sick today. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to come back tomorrow. Right. Mm. And I'm like, I just drove 30 minutes here. You can see this thing is broken. Right. And you're and I I got to drive 30 minutes home. Now you're telling me I need to come back tomorrow? Mm-hmm. You got to be kidding me, right? And so, you know, I I always empowered my employees, you know, if if something came about with a customer, you know, maybe we just got this onslaught of new people wanting to check out the club and, you know, it's like we, we don't know who to help first, right? you know, it's like crazy. So, you know, so unfortunately you have to sometimes keep people waiting longer, you know, than you would like to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were empowered. It's like, guys, you know, if you ever have to keep someone unfortunately waiting, obviously, you know, apologize, be real nice, but give them something, give them right. something free. I, I don't care. Give them a protein shake, give them a <laughs> fat burner drink. If it's something like really bad, give them give them a free shirt. I I don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, they didn't have to be like, oh my god, like, what, you know? Can I give this person, you know, a, a free like fifteen dollar t shirt? Is Dave gonna get mad at me? I'd I'd be mad if you didn't, right? <laughs> and and we lost the customer, you know. Right. And so empowering your your employees to take good care of your customers and and to you know and to rectify you know i'll say service breakdowns you know that right. and you're going to have them no matter what um they need to be empowered to handle them right on the spot yeah and and, 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 and yeah yeah dave and and just to to add to the, to to that very same question and to just extend the conversation um Leadership is influence. 
And um, for you to have influence, you have to have character. I'm actually currently reading a book um, on um, on um, the power of character and leadership. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's very interesting reading because it's showing it's showing flows in leadership at every level, mm-hmm. even at the place where I used to think that this was spotless leadership mm. in the government. Uh, that's uh, people look up to, especially in the, when it comes to political leaders. I still saw a lot of the flaws because of lack of character. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, my question will go toward the character aspect of leadership. What do you think, and based on of your, on your experience, what do you think are the ideal character in leadership, especially when you're running a small business, when every small detail matters, detail matters mm-hmm. and every tiny flaw mm-hmm. in leadership could significantly affect your business? Yeah, so... You know, as as far as and you're saying, like what char- characteristics are yes. mm-hmm. important. So, you know, n- number one is you know in- integrity. You know, and there, there's a saying. You know, there's there there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, all always do the right thing. And and you know, sometimes it could be harder, tempting. You know, n- not to, but always always do the right the right thing mm-hmm. you know that that's that's number one you know uh, other just key characteristics is you know i in, in all my years i've you know uh I, i've never ever lost my cool mm-hmm. <laughs> with with anyone um you know if and and maybe i should have sometimes right <laughs> um but you know uh, if someone has, you know, maybe said something inappropriate, um, I, um, or done something inappropriate, um, I, I never, ever lose my cool, stay calm. Uh, I might wait till after I go home and I get in my car and maybe I bang my fist <laughs> the door, you know, and maybe say a couple of choice words, but, you know, no, no one will ever see me get angry or, or lose my cool. So I I think it's just, it's, it's very important, you know, is to always remain calm, Mm -hmm. keep, keep your wits about you. And, you know, you really have to be careful with, with your words Mm -hmm. that you use, you know, once, once they come out of your mouth, you you can't, you can't put them back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, if you think of, your words like like toothpaste you know in a in a toothpaste tube if if you squirt that toothpaste out of the tube you know think of them as your words you know and perhaps words you wish you regret you can't get them back in that tube (laughs) once they're out they're out Mm -hmm. and so you 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 know you really need to be careful you know when you when you're talking to folks your choice of words and 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 sometimes too it's um it um sometimes the best thing is just to remain silent yes as well mm-hmm. um you know pr- particularly in a in a difficult situation maybe where um you know uh you got to give some things some thought don't don't just blurt something out you know sometimes it's best to remain 
remain silent for a while and or just you know or just say you know let me let me give that some thought and why don't we um why don't we talk about it tomorrow you know and give yourself some time to think about <laughs> think about things you know and i've um i've had some challenging situations you know with um employees in in the past and um I spent a you know a great deal of time um, whenever possible you know preparing for you know like a challenging conversation and picking my words very carefully and so you know tying that into character you know being being you know perceived and known as you know so, someone that you know doesn't lose their temper and, and or lose their patience. Right you know, are, are very important. And I, I kind of call patience, um, really, it's, it's really like a superpower, I, I think is, yeah. is having patience. And I, I like to think that I have, you know, essentially unlimited patience. Yeah. And, and it's not only part of your, your character, but it, it's really also a, a key part of success, whether it's in business or in life. And, um, people one people appreciate you know when you have great patience for them you know maybe, maybe you have someone you know an employee that um you know is maybe new on the job and is right. struggling mm -hmm. and um you know they're going to really appreciate that you have patience for Agreed. for them right and I'll, I'll have to say this too you know um uh a lot of times I've learned things, you know, and from, I'll say people that did, did the opposite. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So like I, I grew up and I had the most, you know, wonderful dad and not to say my dad's better than anyone else. You know, everyone's a lot of people have wonderful dads. You know, my, my dad was fantastic father. Um, He's 90 years old now and he's got wow. some issues oh. going on, but you know, he was, he was like my hero, you know, he was, I always describe him as he, he was like Babe Ruth, Will Chamberlain and like Joe Namath all wrapped up into one and was just a great <laughs> guy. But my, my dad's one, one fault was um, a lack of patience. Mm. He, he was a very impatient man. And um, I, and, and I don't believe in making excuses. You know, I, I tie it into actually his business that he had. He he had some very, very challenging clientele mm -hmm. that he had to deal with that would try just about anyone's patience. I, <laughs> I, don't, use, I don't use that excuse. I don't believe in excuses, though. But anyway, I saw that undesirable characteristic in my father. Mm -hmm. And I could have easily became the same as my dad, right? And someone, you know, someone could ask me, Dave, why are you so impatient all the time? Well, that's what my dad was like. That's what I grew up with. Right. Instead, I was like, I don't ever want to be like that. Yeah. Right. And so you can learn just as much, sometimes more so, I think, from people that are doing the opposite of what's really desirable. Yes. And and taking taking the separate path. You know, it's kind of like you hear a story maybe about twins that grew up, you know, with a parent, maybe that was an alcoholic, right? Mm -hmm. And 
one of the twins becomes an alcoholic and and one doesn't right and and you talk to him and you ask the one twin you know gosh uh, you're an alcoholic like why is that it's like well i grew up with a dad that way you know that's all i knew right so of course not my fault right mm -hmm. yes the other twin right that's not and that twin tells you, well, my dad was an alcoholic. You know, I'd never want to be like that and mm -hmm. expose my family to someone like that. So it's really a choice. Right. You know, people, yeah. it's a conscious choice that we make. Mm -hmm. And and it it also, you know, just related to characteristics of a, a good leader is, is attitude. You know, having yeah. a really positive really attitude. Mm -hmm in life and you know this one I, I think maybe might be my most you know i'll say popular but you also have one of those right the love attitude can you can you yeah. talk, talk a yeah. little bit about that yeah yeah and that, that that one might feels like that one might be the most popular one but you know this law of attitude that that i wrote and it's it's really such an important characteristic for not just a leader but for everyone mm -hmm. is it goes how things appear to the naked eye doesn't really matter. It's the lens you decide to view them through that counts hmm. and that will make all the difference. And, you know, and some of the key words in that was it's the lens you decide to view them through. So it's kind of a choice that you make. Decide. It's a conscious decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really when you think about it, when you wake up in the morning, you know, it's probably subconsciously, you know, but it's really like one of the first, maybe the first decision you make every day is whether you're going to be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, you know, it's it's a conscious decision um, to have that positivity and and. I don't know that there's anyone that really likes being around a negative person. Right? <laughs> no, it, no it, I agree. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just not fun. So I really think, um, you know, as far as, you know, characteristics go, whether it's <laughs> for a leader or anyone is, is having that positive attitude in life. And, you know, there's almost without exception, you know, a positive spin, positive way mm -hmm. of looking at something, right. you know, no matter how bad it is, mm -hmm. um, there is almost always a positive spin, if you will, that you you can put on it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, again, another really mm -hmm. critical, I, I think, characteristic for a good leader. And I, I don't know that that's really talked about that much when they, you know, to pick up books on leadership about, you know, positive attitude and, you know, <laughs> and it being a choice. But I, I really think that is a very Im important characteristic. So, and, and to just add to that question, David, um, when we, we were looking at the side from the leaders, but as a leader or as an employer, as a business owner, what are the things that you look for in your employees and what kind of makes the person a good employee, a person who can actually grow within the company and become, you know, some, some, uh, bring some positive impact for, for, for business? Uh, that's a great question. And it's so funny. I was, um, talking about this with someone earlier today on my job. So I actually, um, 
I, I have a, a new position in my department at work, and I was interviewing someone today, actually, you know, for 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 this job, and was was later talking to someone else, and you know, about like, well, what what do I look for? You know, literally had this conversation with someone today, and so what what I said was so so it's a, a position, just it's a senior financial analyst position, right? That was hiring for. And so what what I I tell people, and I'll, I'll give you a really good example. I think is, I look for the things that I can't teach when I hire someone, and specifically what I mean by that wow. is, you know, um, things like positive attitude mm -hmm. and work ethic, and you know their disposition, are they a pleasure to be with and, 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 and talk to, um, you know, those kinds of things I find, you know, work ethic and attitude and just pleasantness um, are really like, I don't know, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say that they're not teachable, but in general, you know, yeah. people are either yeah. are that way or they are, or they are not, not yeah. has been my experience. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like I, you know, anyone that's, you know, I'll say a little bit above or just, you know, average intelligence, I, I can teach them how to do a discounted cash flow analysis. I can teach that. Mm -hmm. I, I can't teach them to have a, a positive attitude mm -hmm. and to treat others well and just to, be a pleasure to work with, you know, and, and uh, I was actually this person I was talking to earlier today about this, and I was giving an example was, I was giving an example um, related to Major League Baseball, right? And so if, if you were to go to a Major League Baseball mm -hmm. tryout camp, um, I, I went to one many years ago, I was a little kid and my, my neighbor actually and a good friend of his were trying out, they were college baseball players. And so I don't know if they've changed things since, but the very first thing they did, I'll never forget this, at this tryout camp was number one was they first timed everyone in the 60 yard dash. Hmm. The second thing they did, like if you were an outfielder, it was a little different if you're an infielder, they put took all the outfielders out into deep right field. They they then like hit them a long fly ball, and they had to throw that ball like all the way across the diamond to like third base and I think home. And then after they did the running and the throwing evaluations, they you know and there could be maybe a couple hundred people you know at the tryout camp. They first you know they they ranked everyone, and the first eight top eighteen people they. They put them in a, a game against each other and all the other people, they just kind of gradually worked into the game. Mm. And so where I'm going with this is, so my neighbor's friend, his father was actually been a major league pitcher, um, went to the camp as, as well. Mm -hmm. And um, he didn't make the cut for like the, you know, the highest 18 rated people. And so he just ultimately got into the game to bat and he gets up and he hits a home run over the fence. Right. Wow. So, so you'd be like, wow, right. He's got a home run. You know what? This, the major league scouts didn't care because his, 
his running speed and his throwing was not quite where it needed to be, mm. you know, and, and yes, you can make some slight improvements on how fast you can run and how hard you can throw. You can make some slight improvements, mm. but you know, you can either throw hard <laughs> or you can, you can right. either run fast or you mm. can't. And so they can't teach those skills. You can make some slight improvements, but you can't teach them. Whereas, you know, with a good athlete, they feel like, you know, they can improve and teach them how to hit, mm -hmm. you know? So if they're not the best hitter, so if you could run fast and throw real hard, you, you had a shot, even if you right. weren't the best hitter, cause they mm -hmm. felt they could teach that. And so I kind of use that example when I'm hiring folks, I look for the things that I can't teach. Mm. And, and that would be my, uh, certainly, you know, if I'm hiring for a senior financial analyst, if they have all sorts of great experience in doing the kinds of things on the job, obviously that's, you know, a wonderful benefit. But if I have to choose between someone that excels in those things I can't teach and maybe has little experience versus someone that has a lot of experience and fails miserably in those areas, <laughs> that I can't teach, mm. um, I, I can tell you that person will never have a shot mm. with me. So, so I would say, you know, if, if you're, you're looking at, you know, hiring folks, et cetera, right. um, first screening thing is look for the things you can't teach. That's, yeah. That's and, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to go question. ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I wanted to transition, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I, I was wanting to make sure yeah. that we, we don't have. And, and I think we'll be, we'll be closing this uh, this portion on leadership and a little bit transition. Uh, David, you, you've been in finance for as long as you can remember life. You've seen numbers <laughs> all your life. And uh, the, the truth is, whether we like it or not, uh, times are scary right now. For, for a lot of people, you know, whether you, uh, I'm, I'm a software engineer, you and I have talked about this before. And and to be honest, the dream of software engineers is, is to work on some of the top-notch companies. You're talking about Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, you're talking about Twitter. Uh, but looking back now, I don't think anybody, when he looks at those companies, dreams about it. Just to signify about how hard the times have been for, for people in the industry. And let's talk a little bit about 2023. When you think about financial analysis, prediction, and things like that. And I'll let Adam uh, go ahead. I know he has a burning question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just want to pick your brain as a financial guy looking into 2023. Yeah, uh, uh, just before we get there, actually, um, I wanted to ask some questions about about the book um, that is that is upcoming. Before we can um, we can go into asking and talking, discussing a little bit about finance and mm -hmm. and the big financial market, um, the laws of success that you that you came up with, and. Um, one thing that's um, from the previous question that you answered and what you're discussing about what you look for in a person that you can hire. And now I'm going to go ahead and just speak on your book. And I wanted to bring that perspective in the book that you wrote. Um, and uh, I just want to see how that fits in the law of difference. Um, now, if you can 
extend that a little bit just for a few minutes um, uh, on the law of difference and how yeah. to, to use that to look into hiring. <laughs> right. So, so this law of difference, you know, that I wrote and, you know, uh, applied to my business to turn it around from leaving money to making more than I really, you know, could ever imagine, right. you know, go, you know, it's, it's a really simple law, but it's, you know, great minds don't think alike. Great minds think differently. Yeah. And the way I spell the word differently <laughs> when I write it is uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, <laughs> lowercase. So I write the word differently, differently. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, um, you know, in 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 any time, whether whether times are going well or whether they're really challenging, um, you know, thinking about things differently than you know the competition does, um, or just how things have always been done, um, you know, really is you know a, a, a key differentiator um, and and really needed it particularly in, in challenging times. But, but I would say, you know, whether, whether you're in challenging times, you know, whether it's like, you know, a, there's a recession or not, um, or things are really good. I, I think there's just some, you know, just key fundamental things that just never, never change re regardless mm -hmm. of the environment, you know, um, uh, you know, for, for success, you know, and I, I go back to, you know, you know, the, the law of attitude and having that positive attitude and, and, uh, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, really getting to know your, your customers well, you know, on a, ideally a first name basis, whenever you can, um, perseverance, and 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 you know self-belief and all those kinds of things and you know we talked a little bit about like the law of you know smallness conquering a mountain is nothing more than climbing a series of small and manageable hills one after another mm -hmm. you know any and i'll share a little story about that too real quickly yeah um, but you know really any almost without exception you know i never say a hundred percent for anything but almost without exception, any large daunting task, you know, in my case was this business that's like losing tons of money can be broken down into small and manageable pieces. And, you know, that you go after one by one. And the, the quick story I wanted to share with you about that, that law. So that, that that's one law that, um, I'll say my dad, without realizing it, taught me at, at a very young age. And I, I just I never forgot it. And I like kind of uh, applied it in my my life. Um, he never put the words to it, you know, that, <laughs> right. that I did. But um, so back when I was growing up, you know, there, there were still dinosaurs on the planet and things like that. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of years ago. But, um, anyway, anyway, so um, uh, it, it was back at a time, you know, I was a little kid and um, running or jogging like was becoming really popular. Mm -hmm. This was like in like the 1970s and my dad and his buddies really got into running 
And my dad um, typically would go out right, right near our house. There was like this four mile loop mm -hmm. that my dad would typically do, you know, he'd run four miles. And this was back at a time, you know, where you didn't hear about people doing these crazy ultra marathons and stuff too often. And so four miles was kind of a big deal and like pretty impressive, you know, mm -hmm. and every once in a while, my, my dad would do that loop twice and he'd proudly come home and tell me, <laughs> my sister, you know, I ran eight miles today and that was like amazing, you know? And well, one, one time, you know, is uh, on the weekend, my dad goes out for his run and, He's gone for quite a long time, like much longer than usual. And he comes back home and he says, I, I ran 28 miles Whoa, today. Wow. Right. And I was like, Oh, come on, dad. You know, no way. Right. And it's like, come on. He's like, no, I ran 28 miles. I, I really did. And I said, well, how did you do that dad? And he said, well, I, I didn't think of it as running 28 miles. Hmm. I, you know, I have this four mile loop and instead I thought of it as running four miles seven times. Wow. And I've run four miles thousands of times <laughs> over the years. And so, you know, just kind of essentially mentally, he chunked, he didn't look at it as like, oh my gosh, you know, looking up from the base of the mountain up top and yeah. seeing this big mountain. <laughs> mm -hmm. Instead, he just kind of mentally chunked it up into, for him, what was something he had done, you know, thousands of times running four miles. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And, you know, and I, and I never forgot that. <laughs> um, you, you can tell I was a, a little kid and... And that was, how, you know, how I've, you know, done a lot of things. You know, I, I talked a little bit about baseball. And then, anyway, that was one, one of my dreams, uh, you know, was was to be the center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, wow. it didn't quite work out that way, you know, but like I, I say it, you know, like a lot of people are like, yeah, kids always say like, yeah, they want to be a pro baseball player or whatever. But, you know, I I really took it. Seriously, it yeah. wasn't just like something I talked about. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was even though we were very middle class, uh, I was very fortunate. I had a um, a pitching machine and batting cage in my backyard. Wow. Uh, a whole long story behind that. I won't get into that. But any anyway, I would literally <laughs> go out, you know, weather permitting, you know, like every day. And I'd hit like at least 500 balls a day. And sometimes I would do over a thousand and, you know, and, and I, at the time actually I wasn't even wearing batting gloves and my hands would be bleeding and I'd go into the house and I'd put band-aids on and I would just keep hitting. And, but when I'd go out and hit, you know, 500 or a thousand balls every day, I didn't think of it as like, oh my God, I'm like 500 balls. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the rack on my pitching machine, you know, held like 25 balls. So I was just like, I'm doing, you know, increments of 25 and, you know, every, every four, you know, increments of 25, that's a hundred, you know, yep. then another 25, 25, 25, 25, that's 200. Mm -hmm. And it's just a lot of it is, is mental, right. you know, yeah. and, and sort of chunking things up in your mind into these small and manageable 
pieces. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, and it, it's actually very, very interesting that we, the, the past few episodes, we have been talking about atomic habits. Um, how to get these habits engraved into your mind in such a way that it doesn't feel like you are doing work. So the right. first thing right. to avoid is to feel like you're working. It's it, you're just hitting hitting the bat like that's all you are doing right. <laughs> five hundred times. But since right. you've done it and it's just a habit, it's a part of your system. Mm-hmm. You actually yeah. feel a bit weird if you don't do it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that, that's a great book. And, you know, I'm, I won't get into too much about, you know, my book that'll be coming out in the future. But my, my book takes atomic habits like one step further. So I'm, I'm really, wow. really, I'm really, really excited uh, about it. And it, it also um, uh, interjects a lot of humor throughout it as well. Awesome. It's, it's, it, it's a it's a really fun fun read. So it's it's in the editing phase r- right now, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's it's kind of in the home stretch and stuff. But it it'll still can. be a, a little while before before it gets out there. But um, it uh, like I said, I, I love that book, Atomic Habits. My mine kind of takes that stuff to <laughs> a whole new level, and plus weaves in a lot of fun and and humor into it and i'll, I'll just tell you a real real uh, brief yeah kind of in the beginning and it kind of ties into just um sort of the business and the success i had was but just as, as a very little kid you know i i always wanted to be the best at right. everything i was just like obsessed with it and and at a very young age my parents bought me my first copy of the Guinness Book of World Records, and I, and I actually still have that book wow. <laughs> from when I was a little kid. And well, when I got that book, I was just fascinated with it, and I was just like, I gotta set a world record, you know? I, I like wanted that in the worst way, and I was serious about it. And so anyway, there's a whole long story in my book, true story, about. Um, first trying to figure out what record I wanted to go after and then just kind of this whole <laughs> record chase that I had and all these lessons I learned from it. And a lot of those lessons that, you know, I had applied to this business and, you know, to use to help turn it around. Mm-hmm. Um, so my book talks a little bit about that. It talks a lot about, you know, the actual business and that whole experience. Um, we, we would need hours for me to kind of go through. Yeah, absolutely. Through and, and, and as soon as your book comes out, we definitely have several episodes where yeah. we'll be talking about the book and going deep into this love. But David, before we, we, we move on to the next, the next, the next bucket here, I, I want, uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit more about Tulos? One of them, you mentioned them at the beginning, and we said that we are going to, uh, to get back to it, is the law of self-belief. Uh, the other one. I'm, I'm sorry, I, can, I couldn't. I, I couldn't hear you. Say you that can hear again, me. The law. So the law of self-belief. Uh, self-belief. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then another one that you you've mentioned before is the law of excuses. Can you just briefly tell us a little bit about that? And I know we find more in your book, but we just want to hear a little something about that. Yeah. So, um, so r- really, you know, the the law of excuses, as as I, I've named it, is you know, and, and it's, it's what I was doing initially when I got this business, mm-hmm. you know, I was making excuses and blaming the world. And, 
And, and the way that one goes is, you know, in the history of mankind, you know, slash woman, womankind, not a single excuse ever achieved a goal. Goals, goals are accomplished through the summation of consistent, focused, thoughtful, and unspectacular actions repeated day after day. And, you know, and just some of the, the, you know, the, the few things I talked about, you know, just like wiping down equipment, you know, or having an abundance of equipment, like, right. you know, like those are unspectacular things, you know, and, hmm. and greeting customers and getting to know their names, you know, they're, they're not glamorous. They're not exciting. Um, don't make excuses not to do them. Cause you know, usually like things that are easy to do, they're also easy not to do Agreed. right yeah. <laughs> and and um you know so you know for me when i first got that business i was just making all these excuses and complaining and and what have you and like i, I was telling you earlier I've, I've got a law of success for everything and just as i'm i said the word complaining it reminded me and so i i, I wrote one called the law of complaint <laughs> and, and and the way the way that one goes is, you know, one minute spent complaining robs you of sixty seconds of making forward <laughs> progress towards your goal. Mm. You know, and um, you know, so excuses aren't going to get you anywhere in life. Um, and hold yourself, you know, uh, accountable um, for things. Don't blame others. Um, and, and, um, you know, believe in yourself. Like, I think one of the first things I said when this started was, you know, it's, it's not hard to become a millionaire, That the hard part is getting to believe yourself it, believe in yourself that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so if any of your listeners are out there, you know, have a business and they're struggling and they've been going at it for a while, again, you know, <laughs> don't have a plan B, um, you know, and, and believe in yourself, have confidence in yourself, keep plugging away and, and learn from these, you know, failures along the way. You know, I, I did a number of things when I had this business. Um, although, although I will say mo most of them were successful the first time around things I experimented with, but, you know, I experimented and, you know, not everything worked. Um, and um, one of the things I remember actually that um, that didn't work at all was, you know, people would come in all the time, you know, like salespeople trying to sell me stuff, you know, and yeah. whether it was, you know, advertising and things. And I, I still remember this one. It's, you know, you'll see how long ago this was because like, right, pe people don't really have phone books anymore, right? You, kinda, <laughs> you know, look it up. But this was when like phone books were real popular and this, you know, swift talking salesman comes in and he sells covers that you put on your phone book and they would have all these advertisements on. And he gave me this wonderful sales pitch, right? And um, it sounded really good. And he's like, you know, and I don't remember the specifics. It's like, 
did you know, like that on average, you know, every person like, you know, looks at their phone book you know, like four times a day, and, you know, but whatever, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Many years ago. And so, you know, if you have like your ad and a coupon on there and, you know, we distribute it to, you know, 10,000 people, you know, uh, it'll get looked at like 40,000 times a day, you know, well, anyway, to make a long story short and I, and it wasn't a ton of money, although at the time it felt like it, I think it was about $600 or so. And um, I bought this advertisement and I set it up in a way so I could track it and know for sure, you know, <laughs> whether, getting whether I got a sale from it. Yeah. Well, about a year later, he comes back and, you know, he's like all excited. Oh, so how did it go? And, you know, you know, about renewing. <laughs> and, I, and I said to him, I said, I didn't get one single sale from it. You know, wow. and so anyway, that was something that failed. Mm -hmm. I learned from it and I told him thanks, but no thanks. And I didn't repeat <laughs> it, you know, but, but the point is though, is, you know, learn from your failures, you know, don't repeat them, mm -hmm. adjust and, you know, see them, see them as a positive, mm -hmm. you know, it's not always easy to right? <laughs> so agree. Like, yeah. you know, but, um, learn learn from those mistakes use them to you know propel you forward and just think of it as every failure is like you've you've found something that doesn't work you've eliminated that right mm -hmm. right you know it's kind of like one of my favorite sayings you know is that the one with like you know edison and the light bulb and it's like he says you know like i i haven't I haven't failed, you know, I don't know, whatever, 10,000 times. I've just found 10,000, you know, <laughs> ways work. that don't, don't work, <laughs> right. you know. So, like, really, like, but seriously, like, think of things that way is, like, great. You tried something. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. You've eliminated that. You're, you're, you're one step closer to, you know, finding finding those things that that do work, you Absolutely. know. and. Thank so. you so much, David. And uh, for our listeners, if you're joining us right now at the uh, pretty much the end of our second hour, we're still talking about the laws of success. We are here with David Friedman, learning about his life, learning about his success, learning about his journey as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as an employee, and as an employer. A lot of a lot of hats that he has on himself. But this this is this is amazing. Uh, Adam, another question before we jump into uh, the last uh, two buckets. Yeah. Um yeah, actually, I would just go back to the question and just transition directly to the next part. We we're just mm -hmm. talking about current events, actually, and um, and I, I believe this is it's gonna be on one way of uh, uh, starting to um, to close things down. And um, um, I think Mark mentioned that um, in today's economy, um, in the today's financial market, how things are looking for 2023. And that uh, will be any type of advice, any type of thought of the U.S. going into recession and uh, just kind of a sneak peek into the financial market of the U.S. Yeah. So, you know, I, again, like I, I was saying, you know, I, I think there's just some basic, you know, and, and I, I, I don't think, you know, I think we tend to overcomplicate things, you know, <laughs> and um, there, there's there's a, a Dr. Seuss quote that I, I really love in it. I'll see, hopefully I'll remember it right, but it's like, you know, sometimes the, the questions are complicated and the answers are simple, you know? And I, I really think, you know, we often, I'm not saying that things aren't, you know, never complicated, but 
I really think we often tend to overcomplicate things. And, and I really think, you know, regardless of how the economy is, you know, if you have a business or whatever, um, I think there is just still some basic fundamentals that just never change um, regardless of, of the economy. And, and again, you know, it, it starts, you know, if you have, if you're not a one man or one woman show, if you will, and you have folks working for you, mm-hmm. it, it all starts with, you know, how you treat your, your employees, mm-hmm. you know, and, and ultimately focusing on the customer. So maybe if things are a little different and the economy's bad um, and et cetera, and people are struggling, you know, maybe you've got to look at your pricing structure. Maybe you need to make some price concessions for a while, you know, but the basic fundamentals of focusing on the customer and providing them with, with value and, ideally more value than your your competition does i I don't think any that never changes you know Mm -hmm. as as far as i'm concerned and as far as you know we talked a little bit about the law of standards well you know there's no better time actually than in difficult times to to evaluate your standards and and raise them you know raise them another level um and and i think it's you know, I think with your standards also, and I'll give an example sort of like with exercise. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, um, and maybe it's a little semantics, you don't necessarily can raise your, your standards overnight from like being the worst to the absolute best. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of describe what I mean by that and using exercise. So if, if, uh, you hear me okay? Yeah. Oh. We can still Don't hear you, okay. guys. Yes, we can still hear you okay. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> Wasn't sure if we had some technical difficulties. But no, what we I was gonna, Okay. What I was, I was going to say was, you know, in terms of standards and raising them and, you know, I... I give the example of the exercise of like, you don't go from the lowest standard of no exercise to the highest standard of, you know, um, doing Ironman competitions, you know, because <laughs> you'll get hurt along the way, right? right. Mm-hmm. So, so sort of looking at your standards and raising them mm-hmm. gradually over over time, and so you know, taking a look at things, and and I think it's you know, it's really a um, a never ending process, and 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 looking at your standards, you know, for you know. The, the value that you're providing to your customers, the quality, you know, if you're selling a, a physical product, the quality mm-hmm. of it, you know, I, 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 you know, we talked about the law of difference and great minds don't think alike, great minds think differently. So you might be like, well, in hard challenging times, you know, um, uh, you know, put out a lower quality product, you know, to, <laughs> um, save some money and like maybe lower your price mm-hmm. what I, what i would say is you know if you can is raise your quality and lower your price and sell a lot more units mm-hmm. you know um and i i don't know that people always you know always think that way and um you know i um 
so I, so I just think there's just certain fundamental things, regardless of the economy, mm-hmm. that just, you know, for success, they just, they, they, they never change. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, 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 like I said, I go back to, um, I, I think we often tend to overcomplicate things mm-hmm. and, and take a problem and blow it out of proportion, right? There's, there's tons of people like when the, when the economy goes bad, right? They, they thrive and they have Agreed. their best year ever. Yeah. Yes. Right? I think that's what social media and politicians, you know, for. <laughs> so like, I, I would look at it like with a tough economy, like, you know, if I still had my business of like, all right, great. You know, um, th- things are tough and maybe like, you know, people have, can't like as many people say afford a gym membership. Right. So, um, you know, so, so maybe what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll, I'll lower my prices even more, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of really put pressure on my competition, make it affordable, get people to keep coming, maybe then figure out, okay, well now I'm not getting as much in membership fees. Like what other things can I offer while they're at my club? that can bring in revenue Revenue. that I haven't done before. Right. Yeah. You know, so thinking about those, those things, you know, what, what can I do? Like, well, geez, I don't know, maybe um, I'm just making up some examples, you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe, um, you know, offer nutritional products. And I had like a whole line of them, but it's like, okay, what, what can I sell? I've got, you know, these people here, what can I do? to um, take advantage of, you know, when these customers are here and, uh, and now they're paying me less, how can I make that up in, in other ways and, and maybe do even better than I ever did before? Wow. You know, that's, that's very insightful, David. And I'll thank you so much for your insight and everything that we've shared on this podcast today. I know it's going to be a blast. I don't even think that we have enough time to, to like edit and cut everything. I just, you know, we want to put it raw out there as is, you know, uncut with, with all our mistakes and technical issues and everything that, you know, that, that's all afraid. good though. That, that's the way real life is. Absolutely. Yeah, we want to keep it real and we, we try you as much as we can. To- you don't get to edit real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and David, we, we want to wind up with this uh, with these few questions here. Uh, these are just yes or no questions, type of short explanation type of questions. Uh, so what is one quality or one flow that you have that you like to change? What is one flow that you have in your life? If you were to redo your life, you say, okay, I'll definitely change this and do this differently. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say, um, just kind of looking back on things and I, and I have to still be careful is, you know, I, I tend to, um, be too much of a perfectionist Mm. at times. And so sometimes as a result of that, well, one, you might spend too much time on something where like, you know, getting it 90% right is, is good enough. Right. And, and that extra time to get it to the hundred percent really is time that could be spent better doing something, you know, else Mm -hmm. it it also too, you know, you have to be careful, you know, if you are like that, sometimes it, it delays you from taking action, Mm -hmm. you know, cause like you, you feel like, well, before I start this new business, like I, 
I got to learn this and this and learn more and more. And then, then you learn your thing, those things. It's like, Oh, geez, well, what about this? <laughs> and, and, and you keep going and going. And then, you know, the weeks turn into months and the months turn into years and you haven't mm. taken any action, you know? So, um, so I, I'd say, you know, that's probably, um, a big thing that, you know, I, I'll say I, I, you know, and I, I've gotten a lot better at that yeah. and, um, you know, always wanted to like everything to like be perfect. And so, you know, I, I could spend maybe more time on something that I should have or delay mm -hmm. starting something, feeling like I, I got to learn more, learn more, learn more. And, you know, I, I'll tell you this, it's, it's kind of funny when I, when I look back on that fitness center business, you know, and I, I had all this like general fitness, you know, knowledge and business background. When I look back at it, it's scary when I think about all the things I didn't know when I <laughs> that, took that over, you know? Right. And um, so part of it too is, you know, I'll, you know, kind of the saying is, you know, learning to fly on the way down and, you know, you, you don't have to know everything and you'll never so. know everything. Yeah, that's pretty beautiful. And, um, you uh, know. So, um, and what is the number one book that you would recommend uh, to people? That's, that's a great question. You know, there's, there's a, a small, uh, there's a number of books I've read, but there's a small handful that I'll say I, I really love that have made a, uh, a big difference in, in my life. Um, you know, number one, um, is Napoleon Hill's book, um, thinking grow rich and really like anything. Like Adam, anything. Adam does not like that book. I'm already, I'm putting him on the spot. I did not yeah. know why, but go so, ahead, go ahead. Think and, anything rich. by Napoleon Hill is like fabulous. Um, I, I love, uh, you know, it's funny. These, these guys like go back a long ways and I, I just think their stuff is timeless. I agree. Um, yes. Earl, Earl Nightingale, mm -hmm. uh, the strangest secret. Um, I think that one is just absolutely brilliant. Um, and I've used lessons from that quite a bit in my life. Um, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, the power of positive thinking that, that was and another point. one that maybe you guys haven't heard of is by um a guy named joseph murphy and it's the power <laughs> of the subconscious mind, mind. <laughs> um and I, I really loved all those things and um would highly encourage encourage folks to um to not just like read the books, but like really study them. And, and I'll say one of the nice things too, you know, these days. Mm -hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have lost David. Uh, now we will wait a few more minutes here and see if we, he can get back to it. But we appreciate you staying with us all uh, this night and uh, having this wonderful and amazing time with y'all. So we're going to take another little break for about two minutes. We will play some music and then we see as soon as we can get David back to finish up this interview. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, David actually ran out of battery. That, that was uh, quite, quite interesting. We just got off the phone with him. Uh, we are going to finish this up with him when he jumps back from his phone on the Zoom meeting. Uh, so in a few minutes here, I'll be sure uh, I'll be standing up so I can uh, I can have him back on the screen and that you know we can uh, we can finish this up in beauty. But thank you so much for staying with us, for tuning in with us. And do not forget, we still have our giveaway going on. And the last few questions we're going to ask David, maybe the last question we're going to ask him is, if you want to know more about David's up- upcoming book, The Laws of Success, he still uh, has a, a, a uh, he's still in the editing phase of it, but he can give you more information about it. But also, where can you find information about David? If you want to contact David, reach out to him directly. Uh, David will also uh, give us a few more informations about how we can, uh, you know, we can we can reach out to him in person. And uh, if you want to book him for some training and stuff like that, he will give us all those information. But with that being said, uh, I think we we had a really amazing an amazing time. And I see that David is back, so we're going to uh, uh, to put him back on. Hey, David, welcome back. Sorry, we had some <laughs> technical difficulties with. Running out of power. So. Wow, that that means we, we've been here for quite for quite some time. It's been almost two hours. So, uh, David, you know go ahead. We we have a I, there was. A, I, I think that's a good thing though. That that's like what real life is. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's problems that come up that, you know, you, you don't expect or anticipate and you have to deal with them. So yeah. it's just, I, I think in a way it's, it's good that that happened. That, that, that's absolutely right. So David, we have, I'll say uh, two more questions, but the very last question would be about where can people find you? But before that, the very last question, and I'll give you a minute to give us an answer, challenge you within a minute. If you had a magic wand and you could change anything in the world, what will that be? Change anything in the world. Wow. Um, gosh, <laughs> there's a number of things, you know, um, and, and I say they, they aren't business related at all, which is kind of what we've been talking about, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess, you know, certainly um, just, you know, <laughs> world peace would be like a really good thing if we could we could change that. You know, That's it's great. just um, horrible. Some of the things that are, are going going on, you know, these days out there in the world. So that would certainly be, you know, up at the top of the list, um, you know, c- cures for, you know, awful diseases out yeah. there. Got, oh, hmm. I've got so many friends I've lost count that have, you know, had cancer and things like that. So if I could change anything, you know, um, world peace and, uh, el- eliminate, you know, hunger and disease, um, things like that, I, I guess I would have to pick, um, yeah, but that, that's business come into the conversation when, if, if that was the intent of the yeah. question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We just want an honest and a clear answer without, without a political one, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, David, for, for, for your time. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for, for, for everything that you share with us on the podcast today. You know, John Maxwell always says that life is three phases. You learn, you earn, and then you return. And I think that you've gotten a point in your life where you're returning so much to us. And uh, your upcoming book, The Laws of Success, we cannot wait to start talking about that book here on the podcast. David, where can people find you? 
Yeah. So right now, the best place for people to find me is on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and they can they can search for David Friedman, F-R-E-E-D-M-A-N. And then just to make sure they get the right one, type in Lehigh Valley Health Network Mm -hmm. and that should bring them right to me. And um, I post uh, a, a really good, inspiring, motivational video every Monday on there that they can find. And throughout the week, I um, have very positive, inspiring, uplifting posts. And um, they can follow there. By all means, feel free to message me, uh, have any questions, anything I can do to help anyone. I'm I'm not looking for anything in return. Um, I just like helping folks, uh, you know, uh, achieve success. So if there's anything I could do to help anyone out there, please, please reach out. Be delighted to delighted to help you. So that right now, that's the best place to connect with me. Absolutely, David. It was really fabulous having you here. It was great, and I know this is not the last time that we're having you. We uh, we plan to be out there in Philly, and we will meet you in person and have another interview in person and have a lot of fun. I hope you can barbecue. Uh, I, I, love, I love eating. So as, yeah. long as, as long as you can cook, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'll be out there. Uh, you guys are invited to my house anytime. You know, if you come, come like in the summer, I, I got a nice pool. We can swim. I cook on the grill, you know, and hey, have we a good time. <laughs> We're definitely looking forward to that. Uh, any any other thing, Adam? Before no, we really, it was, it was it was it was it was such a great time. Actually, uh, I got to sit down and be inspired. And as I said at the beginning, is that uh, David is at the place where I want to be. Uh, and uh, just to hear from him directly in Africa, um, uh, we always say there is a, a writer. Uh, his name is Amadwan Pateba. He passed, and he said that um, in Africa, when an elder passes, it's like a library that is burned. Because a lot of the African stories, a lot of things that we know, they are not in the books. Mm. They are the experiences that a lot of our elders lived through. And uh, as I was sitting here today, I was listening to all of these advice and all these experiences that you won't directly be reading from a book straight up. It's some raw experiences that um, somebody has tried it and it has worked. And they are telling you that, hey, I follow this path and that. And that's um, the idea of contribution that we've even talked about so many times on the podcast um, with, um, with the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by um, John C. Maxwell, the law of contribution. This contribution, this investment that you are making into our listeners and uh, on our own lives, to me, I was... Um, Really blessed just to be here and listen to David talking. So say thank you so much again, David, for the time that you took uh, to spend this moment with us and for our listeners. Really um, find David. Try to find uh, David and try to hear, try to listen to those videos uh, that he posts every Monday. I've, I've been tuning in some of the videos and, uh, that he shares every uh-huh. Monday. They've been great. And they're very, they're very rewarding and, uh, you know, a lot of... 
you know, as you said, the simple things, the little simple things that we neglect, those are the things that make the difference. David, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a friend, for leading, for mentoring, and for teaching. Thank you for all the good that you're doing in the world. And we'll be looking forward to your book. As soon as uh, you have a date available, please let us know. We're going to post it on our Instagram and, and YouTube pages so that people can know where to purchase the book. And we definitely have a couple of episodes to talk about the laws of success as soon as it's out. David, thanks again for everything. Oh, thank you both. It was really um, an absolute pleasure uh, getting to spend this evening with uh, both of you. You guys are both doing really fabulous things that are really making a, a difference in, in this world. So um, uh, keep up, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is with that that we'll be ending today's episode. We are also going on vacation. Not really on vacation, but we will not be hearing for, for the next uh, two weeks. We we hear back in January and we finish up with uh with, with atomic habit. We we hope we can we can we can have a maybe a 15-30 minute episode next Tuesday just to talk about you know the fourth law of 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 of, of, of uh, behavior change. And then in January, when we come back, we'll be mostly talking about uh, about leadership, the five levels of leadership with Dr. John Maxwell. It's an amazing book. If you haven't read that book, uh, you can actually try to purchase that and uh, make sure that you have a copy so that when we start talking about it in January, that you are in sync with us. Uh, any other thing, Adam? Before we no, I think uh, just don't forget about our giveaway. That keep on sharing it, keep on spreading the word, and I believe you can win some free stuff. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be seeing you. Thank you so much, David. God bless you, and you have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>